Welcome to episode 9 of Healthcare Beans. I'm your host, James Haven. And uh, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, I'm, I'm guessing you saw the title of this episode and thought, what kind of jerk calls his wife fat? Um, and, you know, maybe you thought you'd give this a quick listen. But you're not wrong. I'm by no means the best husband out there. Um, but before you write me off completely, uh, what happened between me and my wife, I actually hope that stuff like this happens to other to other couples because at the end of the day, it turned out to be a good thing. So here's my story. I have a great wife, um, a pretty good marriage, uh, a fair amount of effort, but certainly a good marriage. Um, she's beautiful. I love her. Uh, she's much, much better looking than myself, so I'm lucky in that regard. Um, but she also has a tendency to put on weight. Uh, and rather easily. She she loves food. We enjoy eating out together. It's uh, pretty much our favorite thing to do. Um, but she always ends up eating uh, more than she should, and, and certainly more than I do. Um, and like many husbands, I get asked the same question every day, which is, you know, some variation of, you know, honey, how do I look? And what she's really asking is, do I look fat? Uh, so... <laughs> Now, I've been married for almost 10 years, so I know the drill. I almost always answer that question um, with something like, you know, hey, honey, you look nice, you look very nice, um, you look great, uh, some variation of that, um, typically something like that. And because I have a decent amount of husband experience, um, I often tell her that she looks good even before she asks me. And those days turn out to be pretty good days. But during the pandemic, uh, like a lot of folks, I found myself having some strange moods. We were spending a lot of time together um, and kind of getting on each other's nerves. And, and I guess that's to be expected. That's not a, that's not a unique story. Um, and she asked me that same old tired question. Um, and it was like the 100th time in the span of a month. So I was, I was certainly feeling frustrated. And I just got real honest, honest with her. Um, and I told her, yes, yes, you do look fat today, and you've been fat for quite some time. Um, and that's exactly uh, how I told it to her. And then there were a few seconds of dead silence um, right before she bust out crying. And of course, at that point, I, I felt terrible. And the one thing I told myself, and I continue to tell myself during this pandemic is to not say or do anything rash um, because we're just not in our right minds. I'm not in my right mind. Uh, my partner is, and nobody, nobody really is. So, so I immediately tried apologizing afterwards. But you know, you can't really take something like that back. I mean, she knows, she knows what I think, or at least what I thought at the moment. Uh, you know, exactly what I thought in that moment. Um, and so the following day, um, I thought things were going to go south again, but instead of arguing or, or, uh, or having discussions or reliving the moment from the day prior, you know, my wife just started living differently. Um, she ate about as much as I ate, maybe a little bit less, which is unusual, or at least unusual at the time. Um, and she wouldn't eat after 7 p.m., so that began the day after and, and then continued 
uh, for each day afterwards. She got very strict with her meal times. She began running. Um, she loves to run. She, she developed a great habit for it, and she does it about three times a week uh, at a minimum. And after a few months, really like really like two months, um, she's pretty close to her target weight. So overall, she is a happier person. And importantly, for my sake, she's not the least bit upset with me. My words, you know, they, they were uncomfortable at the time when I spoke them, um, but they were honest words and, and spoken from someone who loves her. Um, ultimately, that kind of impact was positive. And, and if you ask my wife how she improved her life or improved her well-being and adopted a, a healthier lifestyle, she'll probably tell you that it's all about personal discipline and, and willpower. It's about setting tough but realistic goals and then working you know, consistently to achieve those goals. So in her case, that, that being weight loss and, and exercise. Um, and of course, a little honesty from her husband, uh, myself, was probably uh, helpful in that regard. Um, and when you look across other people who have some measure of success in personal health improvement, they often describe some combination of, of discipline or willpower along with a practical method to losing weight. So, um, you know, the grit that's required to, to, to kickstart a new lifestyle um, and maintain that new lifestyle. And, and, you know, of course, having that new lifestyle actually contribute to better health. Um, and, you know, there's a few of these different uh, practical approaches that people take. There's a lot of buzz around the keto diet um, and intermittent fasting. But again, committing to weight loss goals is really the crucial ingredient, regardless of the type of diet someone undertakes. I mean, it needs to be a bona fide diet that people have been successful with. But uh, first and foremost, the will has to be there. Some level of willpower is required for these types of endeavors. So broadening this out to population health and health systems in the United States, because that's really uh, what this blog is about, what are healthcare professionals communicating to patients these days? And just to be clear, uh, it's not willpower, and it is not personal discipline. The current professional line of thinking is that people, um, i.e. patients, are obese, unhealthy for reasons that are completely outside of their control. So it's either your genes, it's your environment, it's your parents, or you know your, your friends, your life experiences. Um, now, these types of factors certainly affect people. They affect us um, but it's my firm belief that we cannot simply let go of our personal responsibilities for self-improvement. We can't just push them to the back seat, you know, of our game plan when we're trying to change our lives. So if these factors completely determine our health outcomes, then how do we explain, you know, all those success stories out there? Um, and there are many of them, you know, these, these stories where, where overweight people rigorously applied themselves to lifestyle changes, and then they turned their lives around for the better. Um, I mean, how do we explain what my wife did and, and her success with weight loss, her continued success with weight loss? We cannot live the best version of ourselves um, or, or do our level best 
if we believe that our health outcomes are, are simply not in our control. So this topic overall is tied pretty closely to our nation's enormous spending on health care. And it's not all wasteful spending and, and greed. So I think a lot of the articles that you would read would sort of point to, to huge inefficiencies and, and really just blame it all, blame it all on these inefficiencies. Much of our healthcare spending goes towards managing chronic disease in, in middle-aged and, and elderly people. Um, and that includes diseases that could have been avoided if people had lived healthier, consumed food in moderation um, for a good stretch of time. So thinking about living well throughout your 30s, your 40s, and your 50s. And, and I believe these are the years that really determine how you'll close out your life. Um, how much health, how much happiness can you expect to have in your later years? Um, but at the end of the day, as, as a country, as people, we're, we're really not trained to think this way. Um, certainly not in the United States. And I wonder, uh, I wonder a lot about this. I wonder about the public's overall perception of healthcare in the U.S., um, especially with regard to health technology um, and if perceived advances uh, in technology give us, you know, sort of give us this impression that there are that there are great treatments available for lots of diseases, um, that there will be even better treatments in the future. So, you know, in light of those beliefs, we don't really need to worry so much now, or, or perhaps we'll even have a one-stop pill some point down the road that'll effectively wash away the consequences of unhealthy living across decades of time. Um, so I've started to think more about this um, and, how, and how we could be making pretty poor life choices under the assumption that, that, that doctors and hospitals and technology will, will simply take care of us down the road. So going back to how population health gets rolled out across the country, um, the measure of progress in health outcomes kind of seems like we're jumping over a pretty low fence, uh, at least in my opinion. I mean, if you live to the average age, uh, stay you know, mildly overweight, uh, not end up readmitting um, after a hospital stay, after a planned hospital stay in any given year, that's pretty much regarded as a win for the health system. Uh, you didn't really cost them too much, or, or you didn't cost your you know, Medicare or Medicaid too much. But what does that really mean for us, for people, for patients? Um, we should be aiming to live the best version of ourselves despite our limiting circumstances, whatever they may be. And at the end of the day, that, that takes willpower, that takes discipline, some level of consistency in applying a, you know, a certain lifestyle change, um, and ultimately a, a public health posture that puts some responsibility onto the patient, which is something we're just not hearing right now. Essentially, every healthcare problem is regarded as a system problem and has almost nothing to do with individuals. So I think we've fallen into this pattern um, because it's an easy thing to do. We're not, we're not blaming each other. We're not shaming anybody. Um, and, and, and really because we don't have a good understanding of what willpower is, we really don't know how to cultivate it in ourselves or in others. 
So advocating willpower uh, to patients or, or to one another in a community, it sort of feels like we're setting people up for failure. Um, but on a positive note, there's, there, there is a deep connection between you know, willpower slash personal um, improvement, uh, personal discipline, um, and resilience or developing grit, which is, is really about helping people adhere to their goals in the face of adversity. Um, and there is a body of research that defines resilience, you know, what it is, how to build it. Um, so it's really a matter of, of health systems adapting these approaches from resilience studies and resilience research and applying that knowledge to, to overall healthcare transformation, especially on the communication front, which, which fundamentally must include uh, personal development, personal responsibility, and accountability for one's own health outcomes. So mentoring patients to live the best version of themselves. If you're interested in resilience research, or or if you simply haven't heard of it, I, re I recommend I recommend you read some books by um, an author. Her name is Angela Duckworth. Um, or you can also watch her TED Talk. It's a very it's a very good presentation. I think. I think pretty much everyone I know uh, will have enjoyed it. And I have some links in the show notes to, uh, to help you get started. So as always, thanks for listening to Healthcare Beans, um, hearing my opinions on how we can move forward with developing better health systems and, and better overall health outcomes for people. Um, you can check out the show notes on www.healthcarebeans.com. Uh, you can see more details on this episode or any other content um, that you might find helpful. Best wishes on your health journey and God bless.